Episode 16 of Pat's Interference is coming your way. Alabama in the national championship game against Clemson. Patrick Brickman and I are going to break down the Michigan State game. 38-0 big win for Alabama. And then it is all focused on what Alabama has to do to pull out number 16. You have found your way to Pat's Interference. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into a special episode of Pat's Interference. We are so excited to be bringing you this episode. Long time, no talk, episode 16 of Pat's Interference, National Championship Week. We made it, baby. We made it. Also, Patrick Brickman. In, in the house. the house. In the house. No, like, actually in actually the house. Actually sitting across from me. Like, not just I'm here and we're over internet like usual i'm i'm looking at your beautiful face right now this is happening this is real very very excited patrick we got a lot to get into alabama thwomps michigan state 38 nothing that feels so far back in the rearview mirror and it's time to look ahead to the national championship but let's go ahead let's go back a bit let's play the quentin tarantino card go back (laughs) okay like i said alabama wins 38 nothing Jake Coker, 25 for 30, 286, two touchdowns. What were your thoughts from that game? Can I tell you my first thought of the game? Please do. You know, I should have been there. You <laughs> here, should have. Here we go. Okay, you so should I should have been there. We've got a friend, a mutual friend between us. Uh, my, my roommate in college, four years, I went to high school with the dude as well. He decided that he would get married on New Year's Eve, which is an awful idea. Selfish. Selfish. Very selfish. selfish. Uh, I'm going to back up, actually. Yeah, so he got married New Year's Eve. I was the best man. I was in the stinking wedding. But here's the thing. A couple days before Christmas, I, I, my grandmother called me, and she said, uh, you, you know your Uncle Joe, right? And I'm like, I know my Uncle Joe, but I haven't talked to Uncle of Joe course. in like a decade. Sure. Maybe not that long. It's been I, I can't remember the last time I've talked to Uncle he Joe. He heard you got famous from Pat's Interference. And That's what it was. Point. So he says, uh, she goes, well, um, are you interested in the Alabama-Michigan game at all? And my mind goes back to 2013, 2012, 2012. 2012, yeah. And I was like, well, I I went to that game. It was my uh, junior year. And she goes, oh, no, I think I'm at Michigan State. And I went, of course I'm interested. Your uh, Uncle Joe has two club-level tickets to the game that he can overnight to you if you want them. And I had to go, I can't go. Like, I just couldn't... You can't you can't do that. Shout out to Kyle Flannery and Barbara. For his now beautiful, Flannery. beautiful, great, awful, stupid, ill-timed wedding. Congrats to both of you, but you're dead to me. I'm, I'm sure they were trying to be considerate because everyone complains in the South about Southern weddings in the fall falling on football season. Well, he so picked I'm, I'm the sh- worst football he season did. day. He except did. Except for maybe Monday. But that just goes back into the arguments of why we shouldn't have the college football playoff on New Year's Eve. Oh, that's true. Anyway, <laughs> you asked me originally about my thoughts on the game. 38 uh, nothing. Honestly, we all kind of saw it coming. I mean, we... No, we didn't all see it coming. You and I saw it coming. We saw it coming. Our, our score predictions showed that we thought Alabama would win, would win pretty handily, and we didn't think that Michigan State could handle... Here's a way. Here's the way I think about it. When you try to play... The same game that we play, you know that that man to man. I don't know. I don't. Every every time that someone brings up Alabama is going to play an opponent that also plays grown man football. Grown man football. That's I know we're going to win. Yes, yes, yes. Because you don't, you can't out physical us, physical us at that. Anyway, so I was very impressed, obviously, with what I saw. It's completely shattered my expectations for the game, but at the same time, I'm not even surprised. I'm almost worried, Patrick, that, and I'm going to ask you this, do you think that Alabama has, and this has been coming up a lot, do you think that they've spent everything they had on that first game and there's nothing left for the national championship? No, 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 no. See, I don't either, but at the same time, if I'm going to pick a game where I want Jake Coker to go 25 for 30 for 286 and two touchdowns, I don't want it to be the playoff game. I'd want it to be the national championship. Well, and I know the counter-argument is Michigan State's run defense and they were shutting down Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry didn't have a lot of opportunities in the first half to wear down his opponent. You know, I, I mean, I feel like that's a lot of the center of his games. 
So, but anyway, I digress. Go ahead. No, I see what you're saying. Uh, I, but I think that a lot of what we saw was 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 just we bashed him a lot this year. But but it was a masterful game plan by Lane Kiffin. Yes. Uh, obviously, the defense did what they do, but Lane Kiffin play, called a masterful game. And um, this team's on a mission. I don't think there's going to to be a lot any kind of hangover, any kind of. I mean, they're not even their their sets aren't set on last week's game. They're set on Monday. That's sure. That we're sitting here on uh, Friday night, by the way. Actually, it just hit Saturday in this just beautiful. Just hit Saturday. Just now. hit Saturday in this beautiful town of Orlando. But, yes. So we're we're actually uh, two days away from the game. Two days away. Two days two away. Two days away. Officially. Uh, yeah, Jake Coker, great game. Uh, best game of his career. We've got to say that. Yeah, best game of his career. There's not. He played well in the Georgia game, but this shattered the. Played Georgia great game. in the Texas A&M game, where I coined the nickname Mad Max. Which no one has picked up on yet, but that's okay. <laughs> Calvin Ridley, eight receptions for 138 yards, two touchdowns. Both touchdowns, amazing catches. Yeah, yeah. Route running like Amari Cooper, hands like Julio Jones. I'm not comparing him to those two players yet because it's too early in his career. And you remember, Amari Cooper's sophomore season was not exactly stellar. No, he yeah, he, he battled injuries that year a lot. So I think that Calvin Ridley kind of has the leg up right now. Well, he broke the records, yeah, absolutely, and it's still as we, you know, as far as we know, healthy. Um, Derrick Henry, twenty carries for seventy-five yards and two touchdowns. Patrick, we're gonna gloss over that right now because I, I want to talk. I want to talk a little bit about that, but r- right now, you and I have got to point out one of our biggest faults. Uh, the entire time that this guy has been in school, other than one game that I can think of, you and I have bashed his name, <laughs> drug it through the dirt. <laughs> O.J. Howard, three huge receptions. It's not just the three receptions for 60 yards. It's where they were and how they were made and what those plays led to. O.J. Howard playing a whale of a game. If we can open up that O.J. Howard, Jake Coker offense, hit him with a little Richard Mullaney, hit him with a little Calvin Ridley, our Darius Stewart on a screen pass out of the backfield, jet sweep to Kenyon Drake, which we're going to run 16 times in the National Championship. <laughs> 16 times, Absolutely. Where can this team go, Patrick? Well, the offense is clicking. The offense is clicking. And Lane Kiffin's getting a lot of praise on the, in the national media right now. And As people are people are praised like we we've been hard on them, but I, there's nothing there's not much to be hard on anymore, at least at least uh on from what he's calling. I mean, they're I think sometimes this play calling gets a little bit predictable during certain lulls it's, of it's the a game. Little, it's a little too complex sometimes for me, Patrick. The, 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 plays, the, the only plays that bothered me during the Michigan State game were the plays where it was second and distance, third and distance, and we're throwing behind the line of scrimmage. Yes. I understand the advantages of that. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, I felt like they were a little bit we – were, we were trying to do too much. Throw Richard Mullaney in the slot. See if you get him on a seam route. If not, try and bust an out route to either Ordarius Stewart or Calvin Ridley and see where that takes you. You're right. You're right. Um, I, I just, like you said, there's lulls in the game where, where there's questionable calls, but as far as the overall scope of the game, the game plan coming in, the way it's executed, four quarters of action, he's been doing a fantastic job since uh, probably like the Arkansas game as far back as I can remember. He's, uh, play, he's calling a really, really good game. Um, Henry basically... And we all sort of thought that this could be a good game plan, but we didn't know if they'd actually do it because of what Henry's been doing and how he didn't have conf- this kind of confidence in Coker till this week. But Henry only carried the ball 20 times, and that was very much on purpose, obviously. Uh, the, the plan was, okay, they're stout against the run. They shut down the run. Top 10 run defense. Suspect secondary. Uh, when we get in the Clemson game, I'll tell you that I think we're going to flip that around because I it's agree. the other way around. I agree. But that's the right thing to do, and he, he had he you know he had the guts to, to call that to not give his Heisman guy the ball forty times. Yeah. he could have, and it would have been a much closer you game. Half that, yeah, twenty carries. I mean, you know, and still with those twenty carries, he had one carry that really, Patrick, he threw down a two hundred ninety <laughs> plus pound grown man to the turf like he was playing with middle schoolers. I mean, I've, I've I haven't seen that much power from a running back in. Quite some time. Quite some time. It wasn't uh, even power. It was just like, he was too stout, too strong, that even Calhoun, yeah, potential first-round draft pick, couldn't couldn't do much against him. Um, Patrick? So the offense obviously clicking on all sure. cylinders. 38 points, nothing to argue with there. You would think that you would score less against a top defense like that, but 
No, hats off to Lane Kiffin. Hats off to the offense. Hats off to Lane Kiffin. Uh, little, I'm always looking towards the future. You know that. When I think of Alabama football, I think of where have we come from, and I think of the 1998-1997 seasons where Alabama is getting trounced by people like Tennessee, Auburn, you know, everyone. I think of that in relation to where we are now, so that way if we lose, I don't get too upset. I also look forward, Patrick, when I looked forward past this game, one name and number really stuck out in my mind. That's Bo Scarborough, number nine. Getting the entire team off the bench when it's in garbage time. Losing their minds because he's beating up their first team defense. Scarborough, Scarborough will be. He's gonna be a. I've got him as a dark horse guy to watch. I'm sure a lot of people will come out and start saying that next year because he's just. I mean the the Alabama running back by default is gonna be a dark horse unless they enter the year in the spotlight. But yeah, Scarborough's the next guy in line. If you ask me, Harris is gonna be there. He, he's gonna he fits spell the him. mold. He's a freak. But Scarborough, you can't even tell the difference when he steps on the field between Henry. You got to look at the number. Um. Yeah. Defense. Wow. We we don't have to spend a ton of time on it because we do it every week. But yeah, the defense. This was now again. This surpassed LSU as the defense's best showing. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And Patrick, I I told you earlier this week. I almost wanted this to be Kirby Smart's last game. What a beautiful way that would have been to send him away from Tuscaloosa. A shutout victory. Michigan State averages 1.1 yards. On the ground. And <laughs> they've got a good running game they, normally. They have four running What's backs. What's his name? Patrick. LJ Scott? The yeah. dude's good. They have four running backs. He just dragged Iowa for 22 plays across the field to win the game. Yeah. Uh, you know, back in the championship games. And we he just, I mean, and Connor Cook, my goodness. Talk about a hit to the draft stock. Yeah. Connor Cook. Still, it, it, still going to be a first or second round pick unless he just I, I'm crafts saying, it up at the combine. I'm saying late first round, early second round, Patrick. And the reason I'm saying that is there were already questions about his leadership ability and all that and his attitude. I don't want to get into that because I can't really speak to it. All I've heard are rumors. The thing that I do want to talk about is the fact that he was known for being the guy, like a you know, Kirk Cousins sort of guy, also a Michigan State product that. You know, one step, two step. That third step hits the ground. The ball's coming out. Yeah, smart player too. He was really known to be a captain, a smart Absolutely. guy. Absolutely. Um, and you had plays with him where he was getting sacked, and he just threw the ball. And I got that's called intentional grounding. I've got to take the floor for a little bit. Sure. Because at the beginning of the season, I picked out one guy on defense that I thought really, really was going to step up this year. That a lot of people weren't very high on last year. A couple guys, but one guy I've been focusing on all season. Cyrus Jones playing his best game in a crimson jersey. The pick at the goal line. Patrick, that's a huge play. That Michigan, was the play. Michigan State scores there. What happens in the rest of the game, we don't know. That changes the entire face of the game. You remember Ohio State scores before halftime on a wide receiver pass. Two, last year. Last year. Two playoffs ago. Right. So, or I guess last playoff, I should say, because uh, technically this one's not over. But Cyrus Jones coming up big. Punt return. The little hop step. <laughs> what was that? Four it worked. Jump off the ground, wiggle, head fake. I don't even know what to call it. Great, great player. I told you, Patrick. Middle of the season, there's going to be some game. Something happens. Someone gets in his ear. I don't know what happened. To this day, I don't know what happened. But I told you, it's going to flip something in his mind. He's going to feel a lot more confident, and he's going to play a lot better. I've seen one game this season where I really feel like he was not playing as well as he could have, and that was Auburn. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cyrus Jones is he's he's one of the catalysts, which is great because our defense has so many. Catalyst is in Patrick, he caught a fair catch the other night and started jawing at the guys who were <laughs> surrounding him just playing football. I mean he lost his that's the thing I love about him, is there's such a chip on his shoulder, he can't wait to get out there and talk just the most smack. He's great. And who are the so who are the who are the sparks on the team? Not 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 Ashawn Robinson, not old Mr. Reliable like Reggie Ragland. I'm thinking like Cyrus Jones. Uh, now he's reliable. I'm not saying he's not. No, 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 no. I the guys that Tim Williams, uh, uh, um, Anderson. Yeah, I would say those are really the spark plugs. I'm, I'm saying yeah on the defense for sure. I'm trying to think offensive side of the ball. You know, ironically, I think a good one that we could point to is Jake Coker. <laughs> yeah, Have you yeah, the Texas A&M game. He staple guns a Texas A&M linebacker to the ground, and the entire team practically ran on on the field to pick him up. I mean, it was... So I consider him a catalyst. I think Calvin Ridley, Ardarius Stewart, 
has a huge chip on his shoulder. Uh, Ardarius Stewart trucked some poor Michigan State defensive back, and the Michigan State defensive back just kind of got up and patted him on the helmet because he's like, "Yep, what am I going to do? <laughs> you haven't never done that in your career. This but... guy is pissed off. I mean... So, it's hard to do actual analysis of this game because it was such a, a, a thorough beatdown. It's hard to go back and actually analyze what happened other each than— Each individual play. I think I think the play that really stuck out for me, besides Cyrus Jones' interception, which I think is the biggest play of the game, is Jake Coker's deep ball. He had two of them. Right, sure. I'm talking about the touchdown. Touchdown to, to Ridley to where it just kind of— that, that was probably the dagger touchdown, if you ask me. Was it was the third touchdown of the game? Yes. Yeah, was, yes. that was the dagger, but everybody at that point, after Alabama scored their first touchdown in the second half, I think is when everybody just kind of went, Here we go. This, this is either over, and this is going to kind of end, or this is over, and it's about to get ugly. And it got ugly. It did get ugly. Patrick, final thoughts from the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. Final thoughts, uh, really the thing that's going to stick out to me, and regardless of what happens on Monday, and I said this after we lost to Ole Miss, the team's on a mission. These are some warriors. Even when we lost to Ole Miss, I remember doing that podcast, I said I was proud. I was proud of the team, not because of how they played. They played awful with five turnovers, but they they aren't the 2010 Alabama team. They're not even the 2014 Alabama team, which I don't really think sleepwalked at all, but... Um, they they have a mission and they're they're going for it. Yeah. I mean they're they're warriors. When Absolutely. when we were down 17 points to Ole Miss at home and everybody had written us off, they didn't give up. And this Patrick, team went out there yeah. and they made a statement. They were not going to lose the Big 10 again like that. I went I went to bed during the Ole Miss game. I did. I had to get up the, early the next morning. We had a tournament on the East Coast, golf tournament. And uh, we had had a weather... That's right, you did. I was texting you from Disney World. Yeah. Because I was looking at the game cast, like, I, I got I got off Space Mountain, I said, okay, they just, we threw, we threw an interception, they just scored again, we're down 17. You don't have to worry, I was with my wife, you don't have to worry, honey, I'm probably done looking at my phone. Sure. I just kind of happened to pull it out sure. to check the time. You said to Lane, not me. Yeah, I said to Lane. We should probably clarify that. Not, not to you. So... I, yeah, no, we had a rain delay... Tournament was starting early to catch up on the missed play from the afternoon. And I said, okay, we lost this one. Let's bounce back, beat Georgia, and let's go to the SEC championship. And Patrick, my bold prediction at the beginning of the season was Alabama makes the college football playoff and goes to the national championship. You were, yeah. Oh, look at you, hot fire. I mean, you predicted Clemson to go to the college football playoff. which I was, sure did. I made fun of you ruthlessly for it. You did. For a while. Look where we are now. Two days from now, Alabama plays Clemson in the national championship. This is like this is why you guys listening to this podcast is like winning the Powerball, winning the eight hundred million. <laughs> I mean, you get you every time you listen to this, it's it's just it's just gold. You know, you guys are so lucky to have us be right about everything always. We're probably the most humble podcast <laughs> on iTunes too. We're very very humble. Well, we're probably the most humble people we know. Maybe, but not. Mm, not quite as humble as some of the folks over the the mothership. Oh, yes. Of course. The mothership. <laughs> Good lord. All right. Let's get into the national championship, Patrick. Uh, yes, this is what we need to be. We, we spent a lot of time on a 38-0 beatdown. Let's get into the national championship. Game plan, Patrick, for each side. Like I'm, I said. I, I'm going to throw it to you. Yeah. Offensive game plan for Alabama. I think it's going to be the I think it's going to be the opposite. Now, I do think we're going to start out especially with Coker, if we're going to be throwing even at all, it's going to be slow. Because here's Michigan State, great run defense, suspect um, suspect secondary. Clemson, well, they don't really have a, a thing they're bad at on defense. There's no suspect there, but their run defense is nowhere near as strong as their pass defense. They have one of the best pass defenses in the country. I think it's the second most, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, efficient. Efficient, yes. Yeah. Second most efficient pass yeah. defense in the country. Uh, and they've got Mackenzie Alexander back there, who's who's a bona fide first rounder for sure. Uh, scouts are in love with him, and so I think it's going to be another Henry forty time carry game. I don't know how much they're going to unleash it. I think we're going to start out first of all. I think the given is that the first play of the game is going to be that toss sweep that we <laughs> always do. I mean, every week that it was it was. I say this every time, but it's always our first play to Calvin Ridley or Kenyon Drake. Usually Ridley because he starts on the field. And you know, if it's not, if it's the, if it's coming, it's either the toss sweep outside 
or it's the inside, it's the fake, and then the inside give to Henry for three yards. But we do it five times a game, but it's always the first play. Always. I don't know why. Maybe it gets Coker loose or something to get a free pass, or I don't know. Anyway, so I think Henry's going to be getting the ball 40 times. We're going to keep using him to pound in there, and... It's gonna be a, it's, this is going to be a trench game. This is I, be a I agree game. with you. And Debo Sweeney said the same thing, Patrick. He said today it's going to be, or maybe not today, but he said earlier this week, it's going to be a game that's fought in the trenches, and whoever can win that battle is going to win the game. Uh, I'm not sure if Clemson can really win that battle, so I'm going to take it from the Clemson defensive side of the ball. Then I'll start on Alabama, and I want you to finish on Clemson offense. Patrick, Clemson's defense has to focus on Derrick Henry. They have to. But when you look at the game that Coker just had against Michigan State, and like I said, I started throwing out the names Richard Mullaney, Ardarius Stewart. I'm not even going to mention Calvin Ridley because everyone knows about him. Now you've got O.J. Howard you got to worry about. You've got a healthy Kenyon Drake you've got to worry about. But this is less of a task for them than it was for Michigan State. They match up a lot better against those guys. Sure. Better. I, I think Michigan State's defensive line... I think Michigan State's front seven is better than Clemson's. At, okay, so are they better at stopping the run? Are they better at rushing the pass? Stopping the run. Okay. I would say stopping or both. the run. Or both. They can be better. I, no, I would say stopping the run. So. Yeah, Michigan what, State is definitely a better. Originally, my thought is they have to be able, they have to be focusing on Derrick Henry. There's no way you're not going to focus on the Heisman and worry about, but now that you're splitting your time, you've got to worry about, Jake Mad Max Coker coming out there and throwing, you know, putting up 300 yards against you and losing the national championship by 17. I think you've got to sort of just gamble if you're Clemson. You've really got to gamble and try and play a perfect game. And that's the only way to beat Alabama right now. Uh, and you've got to pray that Jake Coker makes some mistakes. Old and they, ha- they have the kind of defense that can force them into that. Absolutely. They're better equipped at, at causing uh, Jake Coker to get frustrated. Like you uh, mentioned, Clemson's defensive backfield, the second most efficient in the nation. Uh, they play a lot of man. Michigan State played a lot of zone defense, a lot of zone coverage. That's why Calvin Ridley was able to get loose. That's why O.J. Howard was able to get <laughs> loose to on get the sideline. Uh, so I think that's going to play a huge factor into it. But Patrick, like I said, we start throwing Richard Mullaney in the slot or O.J. Howard at a tight end position catching passes. That takes away one of your linebackers. And guess what happens when you take away one of your linebackers against Derrick Henry? He gets five yards easy. Now, just the question is now, is Coker going to have the amount of time? Because you said Michigan State was much better at the run, but Clemson obviously better defending the pass, but also pass rushing with Shaq Lawson and their linebackers. Um, Clemson offense is going to live and die, and everybody knows this, everybody's saying it. Everybody is going to – it's the most obvious thing – to analyze. It's going to live and die from Deshaun Watson. I think you you hear about it. I mean, people say Alabama can't defend the spread. They have trouble with mobile quarterbacks. Well, I, I feel like that, that, that narrative's been beaten into the ground. Alabama get, has trouble with guys that give everybody trouble. I mean, that's yeah. the way it is. It, it's been a long time since some random dude has really just come in and just destroyed us. Um, yeah, Johnny Menzel. Really, yeah, Johnny Manziel I mean, was a I random know, guy at the time. I know that that sounds weird for me to call Johnny Manziel a random guy. But at the time, he was. At the time, he, he was. He was a relative unknown who had a couple good games in that season. They had just started calling him Johnny Football when he came to Tuscaloosa. So, this is it's going to live and die from Deshaun Watson. But let me tell you why I think it's being overblown, specifically for Deshaun. Now, Deshaun Watson, obviously, I think he's the best quarterback in the country right now. I'd agree. Uh, he's... Coming out, he came out, started the season off the ACL injury. So he started off, I don't want to say his season started slow. He was my preseason Heisman pick, as I've said a thousand he times. He was, yeah. He didn't, he just, he didn't start off the season slow because his passing numbers were there, but they were really nursing that knee. It was not until maybe the second half of the season that they started using, using his legs. Uh, five of the last six games, he had 100 yards rushing. They're yep. going to try to have to have him do that. He's going to have to do everything. Um Wayne Gallman's a good running back. He had 1,400 yards on the season, but we faced eight better running he's, backs he's than him very, this year. We, he, fa- we faced better running he's backs. He's very fast. I think that's the unique thing that we're going to see from this Clemson offense is both guys have speed. Uh, you know, we, We've got a quarterback who's got a lot of speed. We've got a running back who's got a lot of speed. 
And when they run that read option, Patrick, you get, you know, two guys who are very quick going in different directions that splits your defense in half. And then you've got the opportunity to throw if you're Deshaun Watson. I mean, he, the, the guy's got a cannon for an arm. He's got a great arm. But I'm going to tell you why you shouldn't be surprised if he's not breaking up a ton of long runs. Like, people are, a lot of people are assuming Deshaun Watson's going to get a lot of running yards because Alabama can't defend the mobile quarterback. We've, we've played those guys this year. We've played Kyler Murray. We played Kyle Allen. We played both of those dudes. We played Josh Dobbs. We played Dak Prescott. Um, any more that I'm forgetting that were mobile. I mean, uh. I, I'm, I'm trying to think of any... Anyway, we've played him, and Dak Prescott is... Maybe... More mobile than Deshaun Watson. More mobile than Deshaun Watson. Maybe Auburn? Um, I don't know if Jeremy Johnson's considered mobile, but... But hey, he's going to win the Heisman next year. Just keep that in mind. <laughs> uh, next Cam Newton, Pat. We played all those dudes. Here, I'm going to ask you. Do you know which quarterback had the most rushing yards against us? Ooh. <sighs> no. Uh, maybe Dobbs? Was it Dobbs? Middle Tennessee State's. Wow. Second game of the season, he had 29 yards against us. That's the most we've given up to a quarterback this year. Yeah. So. And weren't wasn't most of that off one run? One too? run. One run, really, yes. He, I, I know he had one that went for about 20. He must have had another one or a couple where he scampered out of bounds. Wow. That's the most rushing yards we've given up to a quarterback. So... I think that I do think that Deshaun Watts will have more than 29 yards. Absolutely. Because yeah. I think that they're going to come in with a game. They've had a long time to prepare for our defense. They're not, you know, they're going to be. He'll get his, but Deshaun Watson will have to do everything. I like think, I said. Yeah. But I, I, I'm mainly the point I'm trying to make is that I think the the narrative that we can't defend mobile quarterbacks is being overblown just to kind of give us a, a big weakness in the game. That's not been a weakness this year. It, it hasn't been a weakness this year. It's no secret that it, I mean, it's hard to defend for anybody, like you said. That's a very good point, is that people like to point out, like, oh, well, Nick Saban struggles against No, everybody. Everybody look, struggled against Johnny look at, Manziel. Look at Nick Marshall and Trey Mason. That's my favorite example to throw in here, because it's not Cam Newton. It's not these two superhumans. And Trey Mason was a great running back, don't get me wrong. But it wasn't these superhumans, these titans of the sport it was just two pretty athletic guys that were running a very difficult offense to stop. And they made it to the national championship that way. Plus, that was two years ago, and our defense was good then. It's great now. It is, it's very, yeah. Well, our defense has depth now, too. It's an all-time great that defense. Was, I, I think that, yes, absolutely. And we're, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit in the offseason. I want to wait till after this game uh, to get into ranking this Alabama defense. But, Patrick, this defense is so quick, and I think there's one name that people really, really got to keep in mind uh, during this game, and that's Reggie Ragland. Uh, and I know that sounds ridiculous because he's such a, you know... I think he's headline, the best player on our defense. He's a headline player, but if you're just going to... I don't know. If I'm Kirby Smart, I'm saying, Reggie, I want you to focus primarily on Deshaun Watson. We may call you into blitz. We may call you into run stop, do whatever. He is your guy. As far as Monday night goes... Deshaun Watson is not let out of your sight. Do you understand? And if Alabama can do that successfully and contain Deshaun Watson when he gets outside of the pocket from making big plays, he's going to make plays, Patrick. There's there's no uh, – he finished second in the Heisman vote – or third in the Heisman voting, excuse me. There's no question he's going to make plays. But can Alabama contain those plays? I think they can. Yeah, there's, there's not been a single player this year that they haven't contained. Ole Miss is the outlier, um, but – we remember that game. Five. I don't want to make excuses, but five turnovers, a lot of fluke plays, and Chad Kelly did play a good game against us. And Chad, I think, I think Chad Kelly caught the Stephen Garcia bug. That's my <laughs> really favorite. Did. That's my favorite disease against Alabama. Uh, is there's one quarterback every year, whether or not they beat Alabama, there's one quarterback every year that, for no reason at all, other than the fact that he just got in a rhythm and in a zone early. He catches the Steven Garcia bug, and he throws for a crap ton of yards, and he runs for a crap ton of yards. This defense isn't even the same defense from that game. No. It's just not. It's no. Just... This defense is clicking a lot more efficiently. And, Patrick, I think a lot of it's the rotation, too. It's kind of getting into your favorite sport, hockey. You've got to course, figure yeah. out the, the right rotation. <laughs> You've got to figure out the right rotation. You know, And I, I think that Alabama's really, really started to click on that. Uh, let's move on. Things to look for early. Patrick, I'm going to go with Coker's rhythm. Coker's rhythm is something that we found in the Michigan State game before we knew it. He was, what, what was it, 8 for 10, 9 for 10? I mean, he, and he really, really found And it wasn't these huge 20-yard, 30-yard pass plays. 
it was five and six yard nickel and diamond down the field sort of plays or you know get Alabama get your offense to a third and one third and two situation when he's in rhythm there's nothing we can't do on offense absolutely nothing absolutely uh it's it's just a matter of his receivers making the catches and I think there's been two or three instances this year where our receivers have really let him down whether it's dropping passes or running the wrong routes I don't see that happening in the national championship game unless it's in the first quarter with some first quarter jitters I'd understand that what on the other side of the ball Deshaun Watson Patrick, what is something to look for early from Deshaun Watson? He, I, I'm going to be interested to see if he can handle the pressure of the defense. He hasn't. The the great part of this game and why I think it's such a great national championship is Clemson has not played a defense like Alabama's. Alabama hasn't played an offense like Clemson's no. to that level. Uh, I'm not saying that Clemson has the best offense in the country. And, uh, compared to Alabama's, what I feel is the best defense in the country. But I think they'll match up very uniquely in a way that I think. I mean, I I, I think Clemson can win. I'll be surprised if we're sitting here next week talking about Clemson winning, but I won't be shocked if that makes any sense. So can Deshaun Watson handle the relentless? Pr- I mean, just he, he should pay, he should pick up the phone and call Connor Cook and say, hey, how bad is it? He goes, dude, it's it does it's not stop. It's it's bad. And the the thing about it, Patrick, is. It's not like there's a lot of blitz packages thrown out there. It's it's just the guys up front for Alabama getting in the backfield. And whether or not it's you know getting in the backfield and knocking him down, it's getting in the backfield and just sort of getting in his head. I think that happened to Connor Cook a lot. You remember early in the game, Connor Cook wasn't really getting sacked that much. No, the game was close. I there mean, was, he gets hit. There was just a lot of it, it was there was a lot of pressure. There was a lot of pressure. so It's once you get past those scripted plays. Because the first couple drives in any game are usually scripted. You run over them in your game plan. They set the tone. You plan those out pretty tediously. It's once you get past that and there's question marks on what you have to do as a quarterback. And things start changing and things start going different areas. And then that's when you go, okay, the defense is still hit me. Still hit me and I don't know where I'm going with the ball right now. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. I think, like I said, I think the rotation has got to be a huge focus for Kirby Smart and the Alabama defense. Uh, Patrick, we've got written down here anything else. I was going to move past it. Something to look for early on Alabama's standpoint is special teams. Kick Good returns. Point. Good punt point. returns. Cyrus Jones, we don't have to get into that. Leads the nation in punt return touchdowns by two. He scored four touchdowns. The second place guy has I'm trying to remember him. He had one last week, two against the Cupcake, and what was his other one? His other one came during, was it A&M? Uh, you might be right there, yeah. It was, I, mm, he's got four. He's got four. He's got four, but anyway. Uh, I, I think what I mean by that, especially the special teams aspect, is J.K. Scott. Are we going to see the J.K. Scott that we had at the beginning of the season, or are we going to see the J.K. Scott that we had in the Iron Bowl? And the Tennessee game, I mean, are we going to see the one that's shanking it for 35 yards, or are we going to see the one who's bombing it for 52 and sometimes outkicking his coverage? Well, even more interesting, what if this becomes a Adam Griffith game? Yeah. Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> I don't know, because we say that, but the dude's been money. I mean, his last, but, but his look last at, miss was blocked. But look at when he's been money, Patrick. There's no pressure. I love the kid. You know that. I'm looking at no. I'm looking at the fifty-something yarder against LSU when we hadn't we had not pulled away before halftime. It was a close game. Against LSU or Auburn? He had one against Auburn too, but he had a fifty-five yarder against LSU. I but think. what I'm saying is he has not had one to win the game. No, he hasn't. And but if, you can't predict. You can't predict Adam Vinatieri kicking those either. You never know. I. Tr- I'm taking out of Vinatieri. Well, yeah, I'm taking out of Vinatieri. That's what you're asking. But I'm just saying, like, even then, you can't. You, I know, I know. It's you not throw a all caution to the wind in that situation. I know it's not a guarantee. But I'm just talking if but he if, kicks if, five field goals this game. It sure. Or if he doesn't have a chance the entire night, there's three seconds left. Alabama's down by two, and he steps up to a 37 yarder. Next subject. Next subject. Exactly. Next subject. Your heart rate's going already. Next subject. We don't have to discuss this. I don't think it'll come to that. I think whichever team is going to win. What's it's the not next dot? Right. What's Go the next ball. dot? Impact players other than Watson to look at for Clemson. Can I start? Go for it. <laughs> we let get as far away from Adam Griffith as possible, Patrick. Next Run. dot. Next dot. Run okay. Your life. So, <laughs> a lot of what we've done is we tried to, as we've tried to kind of keep our podcast to about an hour in length, 
Uh, we haven't really taken the time with a lot of the games this year to look at specific players. But hey, one in Rome, National Championship. Let's look at specific players on Clemson because they're not in the SEC, so we might not be as familiar with them. We got you covered. Uh, first one is uh, somebody we've mentioned a lot so far. Mackenzie Alexander, I think, will be their most important defensive player because they're going to be cover- he'll be covering Calvin Ridley on most plays. They play a lot of man. He's a long player. He's, I think he's 5'9". He's don't quote me there. Maybe I'm thinking of someone else. He's got a lot of skills, very good ball skills as a cover corner. Um, and he doesn't have a lot of picks, but it's one of those situations where he doesn't have a lot of picks because dudes aren't throwing his way. Kind of like the Deion Sanders thing. Um, you wonder why Deion Sanders numbers aren't adding up to a lot of other dudes with picks. Well, it's just because you're not throwing his way. He's shutting dudes down. So, uh, that's going to be their one of their two main guys on defense. Sure. B.J. Goodson, the linebacker, very good player, uh, yep. covers the whole field well. Yep. And then the other guy, the guy I'm most afraid of, who's been discussed the most, um, is Shaq Lawson. Remember, he went out of the game against Oklahoma with an injury. It'll be interesting to see how he comes back from that, Patrick. He's definitely playing, dude. It's he's, been up no, in the he's, air. He's going to play. He's going to play. If you're not, uh, you have to be missing a leg not to play in the championship. But, but yes. how is he going to play? How is he going to play? He is... A great rusher. I mean, he's great. He's he's the kind of guy that honestly gives guys like Cam Robinson fits at times. Um, if he can if he can get some licks on Coker, that's where I think that the game starts to open up for Clemson. Patrick, we've got a bunch of time here. We're about to get into hot takes, but oh. we're not going to get into hot takes yet. Okay. Because I want to talk about if Alabama wins, where does this leave Nick Saban's legacy? I've already said it. Well, did I say it? Anyway, I think... You may have said it to me on the phone earlier this week. I think that if if we win this game... even I'm even teetering even if we don't win this game, but if we win this game for sure, to me, Nick Saban, no question in my mind, is the greatest college football coach ever. Bear, Bear, Bear Bryant, Joe Paterno, Bobby Bowden, he surpasses them all. And here's why. We live in a world where it's much... Bear Bryant was a... Obviously, nobody's going to say he wasn't a great coach. But the but the difference... Let me, let me interject while you say that. Just real quick. And I just want to mention this because I agree with you. I think in Bear Bryant's terms, it was a lot more difficult. And I, I think it's, it's so, sort of, you know, it's a two-way street. Because I, I'm going to say that it was a little bit more difficult for him to recruit. But at the same time... But a lot easier to dominate. It's a lot easier to dominate. But what I was going to say is it's also very difficult for Nick Saban to recruit because now anytime you say, oh, well, you know, this recruit was hungry and we all went to McDonald's and he was sitting at a table by himself and I bought him a cheeseburger. Okay, well, now you've just forfeited half your season and that recruit (laughs) can't come play football for you anymore. And that wasn't the case when Bear Bryant was coaching either. So I just wanted to interject and say that I agree with you. But keep in mind, Bear Bryant was in a very, very different time where there wasn't this social media. There wasn't all the jerseys and the swag. and the, There wasn't any of that. It was just come play football for us, please. I will, the parody in college football is so different now then. It was so much easier for an Oklahoma, an Alabama, a Miami to be good and be good for 15 years back in Bear Bryant's sure. day. It is so much harder to do that. You see uh, teams be good for two seasons. Then their guys leave, and they drop off. Look at Florida. Look at a lot of teams like that. Nick Saban now has taken three groups. If There's not a player since he's been here now that hasn't been to a national championship. Look at Oregon. Every one of them. Yeah, look at Oregon. Perfect example. Look at USC. They just lost four games. I mean, but and you said something earlier on the phone this week, too, that I thought was interesting. Let me, hold on. I want to I finish this thought because I'll sure, forget sure. it. Sure, So he's got the three. I, I call, In my head, I've called them like leadership groups. I don't know why, but he hasn't yeah. had a player not. If they've gone and they stayed there three years, they have not missed a national championship game. So you start with the first one. We all know and love it. Nostalgic in our – it's sad that it's now nostalgic in our hearts. Right? But that's the kind of success we've had. Yeah. Um, with <laughs> – because it's funny. You know, USC fans are probably think that Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush were recent. It's over 10 years ago, dude. Anyway, Mark Ingram, Greg McElroy, Rolando McClain – Marcel Darius. Terrence Cody. Terrence Cody. Those dudes, that leadership group, that was their first one. Then they left. He took another one. He took Dante Hightower, A.J. McCarron, Trent Richardson, that group. Of course, my boy Courtney Upshaw, most importantly. Kevin Norwood, what up, Cousin Kevin? (laughs) He took them. 
Now, those guys left. People start, and this is great because this is where people started to question if the dynasty was over. Especially after the second loss to Ole Miss. Nope, uh uh-uh, no, back to the national championship because we're taking Derrick Henry, A'shaun Robinson, Reggie Ragland, that group now. Jake Coker. Jake Coker, baby. Jake Adam Coker. Griffith. I want to throw Blake Sims in there because I think he's part of this era and his own special I agree. Way. I but agree with you. And I think it's sad that we don't get to throw Blake Sims in there. Because he, he he's part of this era. He's part of this team in its own special way. Um, I, I think a lot of the sort of upbeat, good chemistry that you see in the locker room and when the team's getting off the bus and that sort of thing, I think a lot of that Jake – or Jake Coker. Blake Sims really left his thumbprint on Blake Sims left a thumbprint on a lot of this. But, yeah, so his three straight eras is another great term. Three straight kind of four-year little eras, three-year little eras yeah. have gone. No coach has done that. If he wins this one four and seven years, that's never been done. That's never been done by any team. No. no it's... And we're talking 2015, 2016. And people were talking earlier this year about how the dynasty's over. It's over, dude. It's it, over. This defense can't take him there. That's what everybody's saying. Anyway... That's why, in my mind, remember the original question was, uh, what does this mean for Nick Saban's legacy? I think his legacy would be that he's the greatest college football coach ever, and he's not done. He's he's not done. After Jake Coker won in 2012, I was with my brother, and I told my brother, my brother and I had a similar conversation. I told my brother, Saban's going to get one, maybe two more, and then leave. I still, I will still hold true to that. I'm hoping it's two. If this is his last national championship at Alabama, if he wins the national championship and decides tomorrow, I'm going to go coach, I don't know, the Colts, the Buccaneers, somebody. I, I, don't, I don't know if I call him the greatest coach of all time, because I think that's a very, very broad statement to make. I think he's the best modern coach, modern being like, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's such a hard... It's such a hard thing to consider because I think of Bowden, I think of Paterno, and you think and you think of wins. But at the same time, you're looking at wins Bowden. over Purdue. You're looking at wins over North Carolina. And something that I wanted to mention earlier that you said earlier this week is that these teams, the North Carolinas, the Dukes, these sort of teams, the UCLA's of the world now, that slip up and beat these huge powerhouse Michigan and beat Texas and they beat Alabama. That never happened back when Bear Bryant was coaching. No. And if it did happen, it was a colossal upset. It was Appalachian State <laughs> versus Michigan upset. Yeah, you're 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 absolutely Bowden, two national championships, Paterno one. Uh you're talking longevity. I and mean, they were great coaches in their own way. I mean, Florida State, with their time where they were dominant, no team's been dominant for that long. Now it only resulted, and I say only, it's still impressive. I may say Nebraska. Nebraska was great too, but we're talking from eighty eight to maybe no probably 87 87 to 2001 of top five finishes pretty impressive yeah anyway I, but, I think that's a very interesting conversation to get in people talk about the greatest rivalries in college football we're going to talk about that in the offseason but it's interesting to compare the florida state miami rivalry of the late 80s early 90s leaking a little bit into uh the 2000s with Alabama and Auburn starting 2007. I mean, that was a that was a pivotal year. 2007 yeah. is the year that Alabama trounces Auburn. The Auburn streak is finally over. 2000 then from there it's just madness. Yeah, 2008. I mean, but then you go through and it's the Cam Newton, it's kick six, but it's these dominating performances from Alabama in between all of those, at home and away. I mean, it's just. It's such an interesting dynamic. We're going to get into that in the offseason. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and look at scores and rankings to really... Patrick, let's get you fired up real quick. You haven't been mad this podcast, so I'm going to I'm gonna bring up a name oh, that I know is really going to set you off. Uh, Patrick, Colin Coward. Oh, God. I was hoping we'd get into this. I'm married, so I'm going to... Uh, yes, this will make me mad for a little bit. You're talking about his Miss Terry comments, right? Oh well, I wasn't even talking about those. Oh, because those are new. Those I was are... I was going in. I was going as far back as. So for those who don't know, I'll I'll explain a little bit. Earlier this college football season, we're not even going to get into this. Call, Colin Coward said that the Alabama dynasty was dead. Nick Saban was old. He was tired. He didn't want to do it anymore. We proved him wrong. A couple weeks ago, 
We beat Michigan State. The next day he goes on his radio show, and he says that Alabama football is bad for college football. This dominating style. He called it the Walmart style of college football because it's it's this great, big, massive product that doesn't really give you what you want as far as professional like athletes go, but they squash the mom and pops. So they're boring, and the product is bad. Basically. I think it's ironic that he says the product is bad when Julio Jones is breaking records and Amari Cooper is breaking records. A.J. McCarron is leading the Cincinnati Bengals to a wild card playoff game on Sunday. Marcel I, Darius record contract. Yes. What are, uh, you, it takes you two well, seconds. You're right. Yeah, the product Two seconds is bad. to look at a roster and find a good Alabama Dante player Dante Hightower team. won a championship last year, but Upshaw's got a Super Bowl ring. Yes. No. He's... Okay. So... Since the last so time get, we talked yeah. about Car- Cowherd on the phone, sure. um, there's been even more comments. But I'll start with the ones you just said. Colin Cowherd is is just he. It's amazing how he. But we know it. Okay, so he has said he doesn't watch college football that much. It doesn't intrigue him that. And that's his own prerogative. Some dudes are NFL that's dudes. Fine. I don't yeah. get it, but he's an NFL guy. He yeah. Does, so he doesn't watch the games very much on Saturday, but he does want people to listen to his show. He knows his listeners like college football. Well, what's the best way to get people on your side? Nationally, hate on Alabama. So he basically, when he talks college football, it's Alabama, anti-Alabama. Anyway, so with that in mind, the product is bad. We just covered that and boring. I'm a, okay. So he calls us boring. Offense is boring. That is such an overplayed thing. And maybe I'm a little bit more heated up about that because I've also heard heard my whole life that the Spurs are boring. <laughs> the Spurs were boring back in 2003. I'll admit it. Beating the Nets oh, in the man. beating yeah. the Nets in the finals and scoring 86 points a game, yeah, that's kind of boring. But now the Spurs, their offense is insane, and it there's no way their offense is boring. Alabama is about to be the if if Coker throws for like it's like two something, maybe 186 yards in this game. Yeah, I think it was like 281 or something. Um, I, I think it's less than that. Less than that, maybe. It's I, something I, he can. I it's something know. he can achieve it's in this game. It's tangible. Yes. It's definitely tangible. Because two eighty one, two eighty one would be his record. Two eighteen, maybe, maybe two eighteen. I, I remember a one and an eight. Anyway, that there's a one. number that if he throws for that amount of yards, a tangible number, will be the first team. Maybe I know at least in the SEC. Maybe in the last however many years, or maybe ever. Don't remember the full stat, but first team to have a 3,000-yard passer, a 2,000-yard rusher, and a 1,000-yard receiver. Now tell me how that is boring. How that is a boring... How is that boring? That's everything. That's all of them. That's not we just run it or we just throw it. It's all of it. Yes. And we we average a lot of points a game. This isn't... Blake Sims sets records as a passer last year on an Alabama team. Blake Sims now can't get a backup quarterback job in... Canada. So I understand where he's coming from with the product on that team. I guess, even though you get that. Amari no, the product guy. is just is just a, a byproduct of Trent Richardson being a bust. Now yeah. that's now that's listen, the theme. But listen to this: Blake Sims is breaking passing records that were held by guys like Joe Namath, Kenny Stabler, guys that are in the NFL Hall of Fame. <laughs> that, right. that people are talking about all-time greats. And Blake Sims shattered the records. Now, a part of that, a huge part of that was the play calling. Yeah. We've got to admit that. And a huge part of that was Amari Cooper. But and still. I'm not going to sit here and like, act like Alabama cranks out these prototypical quarterbacks that are so NFL-ready. Patrick, we have not had an NFL-ready quarterback since I was a kid. I, I mean, I'm trying to think of one. Brody Croyle, though? <laughs> that my point exactly. You should see the face he just made. Too bad this is a podcast and the, not a video the, podcast. The, the longest tenured quarterback that Alabama has had since I was a kid. Like Owen, twelve as a starter in the NFL. Brody Croyle, his brutal. Knees, his knees were just glass. Brutal, just man. bone on bone, just no tendon in there whatsoever. But you gotta love him for his own reasons. Sure, he's got his farm. He's fine. Can I go into the next thing Colin Please Coward do. said? Please this do. is new. This is since we've last talked. This is in the last two days. This is all the Nick Saban, will he leave discussion. Colin Cowherd goes on. I wish I had it in front of me so I don't misquote him, but I don't think it will even matter at this point if I misquote Colin Cowherd. Anyway, um, he was talking about Nick Saban potentially going to the NFL. He's always up for these other jobs, and then he always has to say, I'm not going. And he always uses that, I, you know, my wife doesn't want to go. My family's happy here. I run it by Miss Terry. She doesn't want to go. That's what he always says, you know. It's it is an easy way to lift the blame off of his chest, but no. Sure. Colin Cowherd says that he he went into this whole thing about how there's absolutely no way 
that Nick Saban's telling the truth there, that he runs this by his wife. You want to know why? Because Miss Terry stays at home. Nick Saban's the one that makes the money. Nick Saban's the one that coaches. Nick Saban's the one that gets the job in Miami, Michigan State, LSU. Nick Saban is the one that provided the mansion. Nick Saban is the one that sent their kids through college. Sure, he's the provider. Now, is that really all that weird that Nick Saban's the provider of the family? Does that mean that Nick Saban doesn't respect his wife's opinion? I'm the only one that, that provides in my family. I'm married. My wife's trying to get off and, and get a job right now, so that means all the income is me. And if I'm going to move and get another job, the first thing I'm doing is saying, hey, honey, how do you feel about this? It's just offensive. Like, that, that that's... It's, it's not even... I don't care what he says about on the field, but, like, as a married guy, that's like, that, that just pisses me off that... that yeah. That just because Nick Saban's so easy of a target to make fun of, that he gets to just throw that garbage, that bullcrap out there about how, how, how there's no way that he would. Yes, if he's going to move to Indianapolis, he's going to ask his wife. And if his wife says, we're happy here, well, that will weigh heavy on his heart as a married man that loves his wife. I, no, I, I, <laughs> I think you're right. I was interested to hear your opinion on that. Honestly, I had forgotten about that comment because I thought it was so ridiculous stupid. that Colin Coward would even go after someone's personal life like that. And, a conversation, and, you know, it's fine if Colin Coward wants to say, I don't think his family's opinions really mean as much as he makes them out to be. Yeah. He could have said that. I would have not have had a problem with it. Patrick, I actually might have agreed with him. Yeah, but the he fact, probably plays the card a little the bit fact, heavy. The fact that he called out Terry Saban by name, A, isn't smart, because I don't know if you know how connected Terry Saban is in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's not smart. Terry, Colin Coward, Terry Saban is the secret weapon behind this defense, just so you guys yeah. know. Terry Saban's the one giving pep talks. Sitting up there in the press box with a headset. I respect the world of Terry Saban. Clemson scores, Terry Saban's headset's coming off and getting slung against the wall. And then the players know they messed and up. And then they messed up. <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, Patrick, I agree with you. It's ridiculous that Colin Coward would call out someone like that. He's a punk. And I can't believe that he still has a job. And I can't believe... And the fact that we're sitting here talking about it means he's getting what he wants. Yeah. We're idiots. We're idiots. We shouldn't have even brought light to it. Anyway, tell Guess us what, what time you... it is. Hot takes. <laughs> I wanted you to say it. Patrick, hot takes are going to be a little weird today because it's not really going to be a hot take because usually I have a series of questions to ask you and I don't even have a series of questions to ask you because this next topic is so boring. I can't even believe we're going into it. The bowl season this season... Oh yeah, that is boring. It's it's so unbelievably dull. And With I, the exception of really one, maybe two games. One, maybe two games. I'm, I'm going TCU-Oregon and FSU-Houston. Those are really the two only games I didn't games even watch I, the FSU-Houston game. I don't watch it either. I just know that it was an okay game. Patrick, I'm calling this a hot take because I don't want to spend too much time on it. I'm going to rip 30 seconds. I want you to rip 30 seconds. Okay, fine. My 30 seconds starts in three, two. Okay. There's way too many bowls. I don't care about the bowls that aren't the playoffs anymore. I don't think the teams that are at the bowls care about the bowls that aren't the playoffs anymore. I think it's ridiculous that there is the GoDaddy.com bowl, the Tax Slayer bowl. It's unbelievable how many bowls there are. I don't want to watch Marshall face off against Eastern Carolina or whoever the hell they played. Patrick, I don't care if that team wins 176 to nothing. That means nothing to me because that game does not matter. The bowls were boring. They could have been the best games in college football this season. Every single one of them, I would not have cared if it weren't for the Norwood Bowl, the college football pick that I have on ESPN, which you didn't participate in. I forgot. That's my 30 seconds. I'm out of there. Yeah, well, you're absolutely right. These bowls are set up just so that you could attach um, as many uh, advertisements on them as you can. That's why they're called the GoDaddy.com Craft Fight Hunger for the Health Bowl. I mean, that's, you know, and then they, and then they do the Chick-fil-A starting lineup and the cow taps the screen. We've all seen it. And then they do it again for the defense. And then the other side of the ball, four times you get the Chick-fil-A Cal starting lineup. So that's just their main way of doing it. Plus, on top of that, the balls were just bad this year. I mean, they were blowouts. Even the ones that were interesting, the ones that were supposed to be interesting, not the Marshall versus um, versus whoever, Eastern Carolina. It's the Stanford versus Iowa that we looked forward to. It's the Florida-Michigan. It's They were bad. They were bad games. Yeah. Just the, the average margin of victory was 15 points. That's bad. That's, that's, not, that's three that's scores. That's not fun to watch. That's not fun to watch. 
That's it. We're not talking about the Bulls season anymore because it makes me sad. Fix it. Take away Bulls. There's no reason five and seven teams should be in Bulls. I think, yeah. You make enough money already. 20, Quit subjecting us to this bullcrap. 24 teams make Bulls. That should be the new rule. The 25th team gets a prize of their choice. Whatever. I, I don't care. I'm, I'm sick of the Bulls season. I'm sick of talking about that. Patrick, episode 16 wrapping up. We still have our sound off, my friend. Go ahead. Do yours. My sound off, I went to go see Star Wars. I've seen it three times, Patrick. I was blown out of my chair. And we might was, see it again this weekend. I was so excited, Patrick. I watched Star Wars every single day when I was a little kid. I would get home from school. I would say, Mom, I want to watch Star Wars. She'd say, which one? I'd say, don't care. Empire Strikes get... Back in the VHS? Sure. Underwear on the couch? Not that far. <laughs> Well, my brother and I were little kids. We did the same thing. Sure, but you, diapers you is know what I mean. really I should have said. My mom hates the Star Wars universe. Can probably quote every line that Luke Skywalker has ever spoke. So, needless to say, I was pretty excited for this movie. What a piece of junk! J.J. <laughs> Abrams blew me out of my chair. I was so excited for this movie. I'm so excited for the next one. Patrick, I don't want to wait. I can't I believe wanna, he's not directing the I next don't, one. I don't want to wait a year and a half for the next one. I was so excited. That's my sound off. Patrick, what is yours? Other than Star Wars and the fact that I really hope that John Boyega is force sensitive, I hope that that's a, not a spoiler. I use his actual name. Nah, who cares? You guys should have seen the movie that's by okay. now. Uh, my sound off isn't Star Wars, even though Star Wars would have been a good one. My sound off is the Los Angeles Lakers, more specifically Kobe Bryant, and just how I don't like. Okay, so if you don't pay attention to the NBA. Kobe Bryant, you know the name. Obviously, everyone knows that name. My wife knows that name. I would hope. He announced his retirement this year. Uh, a couple months ago, maybe a month, month and a half ago, very prematurely toward the end of the season, he announced, this is my last one. It's a very well-written letter. Dear basketball, this is all I have to give. Giving you everything. It was good, but it has unleashed the goodbye tour for Kobe Bryant. Yesterday, the news was that it was the last time he was going to play in uh, somewhere. Every day, last time he's Portland. I don't I know. I think it was Portland. Every day is the last day he plays here. Every And it's just, he's getting the Derek Jeter goodbye tour. I mean. But Patrick, he's the youngest to 33,000 points. I don't care. I don't. Listen, and maybe it's the basketball purist in me, and I know what kind of dude Kobe Bryant is. I don't think Kobe Bryant meant for this to turn into a big sideshow. I don't either. But we're talking about the Los Angeles Lakers. Anything you do is going to be a sideshow. No. The, the Los Angeles Lakers are better than this. They are better than having a bunch of... Stop. They have, they have a good core. They have a good core of young players, but... Patrick, the two franchises in the nation, big four franchises in the nation, where every time one of them sneezes, it hits the newspapers, the New York Giants, the Los Angeles Lakers. I put Dallas Cowboys ahead of the Giants, but anyway... You get my point. I get your point. Anything they do is going to be star status. The... But I'm not talking about star status. I'm talking about the Los Angeles Lakers should be contenders and said we're fine with Kobe Bryant just kind of chunking up 50 shots, shooting 33% from the field, while the, the nincompoops around them that haven't developed chemistry because they're being held back by Kobe Bryant's 37 shots a game, and they're winning 20% of their but games. But do you think the Los Angeles Lakers are going to win the NBA championship this year if Kobe Bryant's not hawking up 30 shots a game? No. No. But the Lakers are... It's just sad They're to see gonna... that be the Lakers right now. So it's one more year. They it's were gonna Kobe have... Bryant. He's just... They were going to have one more year of garbage anyway. Why not have it be fun and have it be a farewell tour for Kobe Bryant? Kobe Bryant is supposed to be in his head thinking that he's still going to make the playoffs somehow, some way this year. I think that's what you want to think. I because th that's Kobe. I th that's what Kobe that's, is. That's the 16-year-old Patrick Brickman that still thinks he's making it to the NBA, saying Kobe is ready, he's going to win a championship, Patrick, he's done. I've never rooted for Kobe, but I love what he's represented. And just to see him in his last year just kind of, okay, let's have some fun. Like, if he's not, to me, I always thought that if Kobe really thought he had nothing else, nothing else to grow for, nothing else to go to, he would have just either finished out the season or come. But he just, every, I don't know, it's a sideshow. Not everyone can be Tim Duncan. No, no, that is the truth. Nobody else can be Tim Duncan. Nobody. Stats show it. Records show it. That's it for us. You can find us on social media. Twitter, at PI underscore podcast. Facebook, Pat's Interference. That's P-A-T apostrophe S Interference. Uh, our website, 
patsinterference.com. We're on iTunes as well. Patrick, one final time for this season, we need score predictions. Yeah, we do. I'm going to give you mine. I'm going to say it, and I'm not going to get into it. 31-21 Alabama. Alabama wins their 16th national championship. Huh, we're so biased because none of us have picked against Alabama all season yet. Here we are in the national championship. And we've only been wrong once. We've only really been wrong once, guys. Except I thought that the Ole Miss game would be a blowout. (laughs) Anyway, my score prediction is, I don't want to end on, hey, we lost to Ole Miss. My score prediction is Alabama in the national championship going for number 16, baby. He's telling me to bring it down a notch. (laughs) Just just take it down. I do have neighbors in Pat's Interference headquarters. 28-16 is my score. I think we win by like a 12 point. And, uh, yeah, I think 28-16. That's given Clemson either two two-point conversions or a lot of field goals, but you, I'm sticking you with don't, it. You don't think it's going to be three seconds left, 18-16 to 16 is your score, Clemson, when Adam Griffith steps up for a 40-yarder? No. Let's hope not. By the way, that was the score of the 1993 National Championship, 18-16 MSU over Nebraska. Random that's, knowledge to drop a, on you right before great, we sign off. That's a great way to end this podcast. Roll tight, baby. Ladies and gentlemen. We're breaking up Pat's Interference into seasons. This is the second to last episode of Season 1 of Pat's Interference. Season 2 will start all of our off-season podcasts. If you have an idea for an off-season podcast, please let us know. If you want to be a guest on an off-season podcast, you just got to get a headset. That's it. We can help you get a headset. Or Or just ask us a question on the Twitter. Ask us a question on the Twitter, on the Facebook. If you want to be a blogger, contribute to our blog, let us know. Season one of Pat's Interference will wrap up with next episode. Hopefully we're talking about an Alabama win. I can't wait to talk to you next week. So sorry we've been on this break, but like I said, we wanted to enjoy the holidays. Let's be honest. We wanted to do this podcast face-to-face. We did. We did. Roll Tide, everyone. Good luck. Monday night, no matter what happens, remember it's always Alabama. Roll Tide. Roll Tide.